morning again. That was a beautiful song by Taylor. My mom and I always comment how we remember when Taylor was about four years old and used to sing with the little kids. And she was the one who always knew every word and sang with all her heart. You'd see her up there just singing. And now she's a beautiful young lady. She's in our choir. She's in the youth choir. And she sings these solos and they touch our hearts. And we're very thankful for her, for her family, and for the whole family of God. It's a blessing. Before we begin this morning, shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just want to thank you this morning that, again, we can come to church and we can be here in your presence and we can have the remembrance meeting as we had this morning. We can have our fellowship, our scripture memory class, the Sunday school. And we thank you for the opportunity now we have to study the word of God for just a few brief moments this morning. We thank you that we're learning for all eternity, Lord. And now we give you the opportunity to touch our hearts and take control of our lives, Lord. Please hide me behind the cross and may you be glorified today in every word we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. About four weeks ago, I think three or four weeks ago, Ginny was singing about heaven and I had a chance to hear her early in the morning and she came down from the stage and I was struck by the fact that the term homesick for heaven and I've been thinking about this subject and I was telling Ginny and she said to, well, that may be your next message. And she didn't even know, but I've been thinking about this subject for the last three or four weeks. It's been on my heart. Homesick for heaven. You know, when you go away like to college or you go on an extended vacation or a business trip, if you're like me, after a while you get homesick. You want to come home. And it's not that you miss your home so much, the physical possessions and all of these kinds of things. What you really are saying is you miss the people back home. You miss the folks back home. I remember business trips at IBM and I remember going away and I can't wait to get back to the saints of God. And I'm so thankful in my job now that I don't have to travel. My travel is, Bill doesn't like it, but four minutes from my house to the office. That's, that's the kind of traveling I like. Oh, good. He has a short commute now. That's true. I, that's right. Thank God. But I'm serious. It's a very wonderful thing when you think about homesickness, though, in the light of heaven. Because, you know, we're not home yet. We're God's people. We're his chosen people, as we study in the scripture memory class, his own special possession. And we're his children and we're not home yet. And we're homesick for heaven. We at least we should be. It's interesting, the word homesick is so interesting in the Webster's Dictionary. It says the definition of homesick is to be unhappy or depressed at being away from home and family, longing for home. And I thought, how appropriate is that for us as children of God to have that kind of homesickness, that we cannot wait to get home to, to, to be in heaven. And not so much by the physical things we're going to have there, although they'll be tremendous, but to see our Lord face to face and to be with one another for all eternity. But you know, sometimes we as Christians get so busy in this world. We get so engulfed and entangled in the things of the world that heaven seems so far off. It seems so out of our minds. But for the child of God who's walking with the Lord, heaven should always be in front of our eyes. We should always be thinking of the joy that we're going to have in going there. And that all these possessions that we have and all this wealth and all the things that we have on earth, though they're very nice, they're nothing compared to what we're going to have in eternity. And if you're here today and you don't have Christ in your life, 
You don't have something to look forward to. You can't say I'm homesick for heaven, but we pray by the end of the message that you'll be able to say that. You know, someone once said, home is where the heart is. And Jesus put it another way. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, if you have your heart on the things of the world, that's where your treasure is. But if you have your heart in heaven on the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be your treasure, an eternal treasure with the Lord. And that's what we all want to have. And I think our our dear beloved Paul, the apostle, was homesick for heaven. I think from the moment he got saved, he showed that he was looking forward to the coming of the Lord and being with him forever. Let's turn in our Bibles and read just a few verses from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 will begin reading at verse 21. When I first met Bill Murray, he used to drive a brown Pinto. I tried to drive it once (laughs) with his kids in the car too. But I was never good at driving a manual transmission. But I remember driving Bill's car. And later on, after that, Bill got a license plate for his truck. He got a beautiful new truck. And he put on the license plate Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. And so we're going to read that this morning. And it's a life verse for Bill. And it's a life verse for all of us as well because it is uh, so tremendously encouraging. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. Here Paul writing to the Philippians. Where was he? In jail. In a Roman jail, writing about joy. And he writes this in Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. You know, Paul was one of the most amazing apostles. The Lord called him while he was on his way to persecute the Christians. And there on the road to Damascus, a great light came from heaven, knocked him off his horse and brought this proud Jewish man teacher of the law, down to his knees and he realized that Christ was the Messiah. Blinded him. He went into the city and then he gained his sight back and he went on the rest of his life to serve the Lord. Looking forward to to heaven. Well, one day in his life, the Lord gave him a vision of heaven. A vision that no one else has had since and no one else will ever have. But he got a little taste of what heaven was like. And it's in 2 Corinthians 12 2 and 4. And I'll just read it to you this morning. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4 says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, he said. And he says, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which are not lawful for a man to utter. How would you like to have been with Paul? The two of you, you know? Just to be caught up into the third heaven and to see the Lord, to see the angels in heaven, to see all the glories of heaven. And then guess what? Okay, Paul, you got to go back. Oh, if I was Paul, I'd say, Lord, don't send me back to that sinful world. I don't want to go back. I want to stay here. But the Lord said to him, Paul, I got a mission for you on earth. 
You're my chosen servant. I'm going to send you to the Jewish people. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to win them to me. And then you can come home. When your mission is finished, when your life is done, then you can come home. And what a joy it was in Paul's life. He lived every day in the light of heaven. Even every day. And he could say at the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. Now there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Yes, Paul finished the course strong. And we should do that as well. Well, today we're going to look at three things and they all happen to start with the word L. Three L's. Okay. The first one is longing for heaven. Longing for heaven. Secondly, living as citizens of heaven now here on earth. Living as heavenly people while here on earth. And then finally, loathing, loathing the sinful things of this world. Well, let's look first of all at the first one. Longing for heaven. When you know when you long for something, you want it really bad. Now, we know Adel was homesick for coming to church and he was longing to be here. He didn't care if the doctor, the surgeon didn't agree. Anybody didn't agree. He was going to be here today and we thank God for him because he had that desire to be here. Some of us, we get a little scratchy throat. We feel a little sniffle. First thing, we stay home. But may God create a longing to want to be among the people of God. And a longing for heaven and a longing to be with the Lord. That is what we should have a longing for. You know, heaven is our home. And the Lord Jesus Christ has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And since I've gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. Where is heaven? Where Jesus is. Someone once says, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And that is really true. I was reading something that Billy Graham wrote and he was saying, we don't really know where heaven is. It could be way off in some galaxy far away. could be on some distant star. But it doesn't matter where heaven is because it's where Jesus is that counts and we're going to be with him for all eternity. And that is why heaven is such a wonderful place. You know, when you think about the first thing that you're going to do when you get to heaven, the Lord is going to, I don't know if St. Peter will be there. They always say St. Peter will be there, but I have a feeling the Lord is going to be right there to greet us when we come in. We're going to walk through the pearly gates. We're going to stroll down the streets of gold. We're going to see the glassy sea. We're going to see all the beautiful things of heaven, all the jewels and all the wonderful things. It's going to be so special. And we're going to then the Lord's going to take us by our mansion. You see that mansion over there? I say, yes, Lord, I see it. That's yours. That's yours. It's taken me 2000 plus years to prepare that mansion for you. And I've got your name on it. Alex, there's your mansion. Debbie, there's yours. Vince, there's your mansion. We'll all have a mansion in heaven and it's going to be a tremendous thing. But the more you think about heaven and all the glories of it, You can never fathom it because the Lord gives us just a little glimpse in Scripture of what it's all about. We can't wait to see the full thing when we get there. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man all the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. You know, we can't even imagine it. We can use, as it were, our sanctified imagination to imagine what it's going to be like. But guess what? It'll be better than that. It'll be better than we can even imagine. It's going to be tremendous indeed. 
reminds me of a story of the Old Testament, how the Queen of Sheba went to visit Solomon. Now, back in her country in Ethiopia, she had heard so many things about Solomon, his wisdom and his great uh, glorious kingdom and how he had so many servants and all these things. And so she came and she listened to Solomon and had an audience with him. And this is what she said afterwards. She says, it was a true report, which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe those words until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You exceed the fame which I heard. And I think all of us will be able to say that when we get to heaven. The half has not been told me. Because even if heaven was half as great as we think it's going to be, it would be tremendous. But it's going to be even more. It's going to be even beyond that. Because not only are we going to have all those things that I mentioned, the streets of gold and our mansions and everything, but all the saints are going to be there. All the Old Testament saints, all the New Testament saints, all the Christians that have gone before us are going to be there. I'm looking forward to seeing my great uncle Irvin. My other great uncle that you never met, my uncle Albert, great uncle Albert, and my grandmother, grandmother Leroy. They're all going to be there and all the saints are going to be there. That's what's going to be so fantastic also about heaven is we're going to have all those loved ones to have a reunion with for all eternity. You know, you have a family reunion. Gina's got a big family. They have family reunions all, all the time. How many have you ever had? The most probably is what, 30, 40? A hundred. A hundred in Gina's family. I knew you had a big family. hundred people. Well, guess what? Think of how many myriads and hundreds of thousands, millions that we're going to have a reunion with in heaven. Now, that will be a family reunion. And that's why those who know Christ can't wait to get there because it's going to be fantastic. And not only that, but it's even better than that because we're going to see one person there that we've been waiting to see for so long. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, we're going to one day see Him face to face. And you know He's going to wrap His arms around us and He's going to go to hug us. And what's the first thing we're going to see when He goes to hug us? Is we're going to see those wounds in His hands when He goes to hug us. And we're going to say, that's you, Lord. You're the one that died for me. You suffered for me. You went through that passion on the cross because you loved me. And we're going to just say, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. And we're going to say, thank you, Lord. We're finally home. You know, it's just going to be tremendous when we get there. Yes, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. That's what we can all say if we know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We're home. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans, I mean, in Revelation chapter 21, and you can go home and read it later on when we have time, all the wonderful, magnificent things about heaven. It tells us that there's going to be no more tears in heaven. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more sorrow or crying. There's going to be no more pain. Thank you, Lord, when we get to heaven. We all have pain. We all have aches and pains. And guess what? There'll be none in heaven. That's going to be the fantastic thing about it. We're going to get a new body in heaven. And that is going to be great. I'm going to have hair in heaven. And you too, Mike. <laughs> There'll be no weight problems in heaven. No diets needed in heaven. You know, these are great things. I mean, I can't wait. It's going to be just truly fantastic. But I can ask you this morning, after hearing about all the great things of heaven, can't you say with me, you're homesick for heaven? That's the kind of life we should live. We should be homesick for heaven. We should be thinking about it in our lives and we, could be, we should be longing for it so much that it affects the way we live our lives today. 
And that brings us to our second point. Not only should we be longing for heaven, but we should be seeking to live as citizens of heaven here on earth. Did you ever think about how great a responsibility it is to be a citizen of heaven? To represent heaven here on earth? To represent the king? You know, in the Bible it tells us in Paul's writings, he says, our citizenship is in heaven. He says, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're citizens of heaven. Even though we live here on the earth and maybe your citizenship is a United States citizen or Canadian or maybe you've got a dual citizenship, but guess what? If you're a Christian, you've got a citizenship in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're His child. You're His precious one. And He has told us that He wants us to live for Him in this world. In 1 Peter 2, 12 and 11 and 12, he says this about God's people. Peter writing says, Beloved, I beg you, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentile, which when they speak of you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You know, we're strangers. We're sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're aliens in this world. Did you ever feel like a fish out of water sometimes? With all the evil and wickedness in this world, you just feel like you don't belong here. Well, guess what? You don't belong here because we belong there. But He's put us here to be a blessing for a a time. To win people to the Lord, to build each other up, to encourage one another until He takes us home. We have a mission here on earth. He wants us to be ambassadors for Christ. You know, when the president appoints an ambassador and sends the ambassador over to a country, especially to a country that doesn't like us, that ambassador's behavior is held up to great scrutiny. It's held up to the light all the time. They're looking to see if that ambassador is going to say anything or do anything to bring shame to our country, the United States. And sometimes, if it gets really bad and the ambassador does something really bad, they have to recall the ambassador. Can you imagine how embarrassing, how humiliating that would be if you were an ambassador and your behavior had brought shame to the president, shame to the country, and they had to say, call him home. Call her home. Back to this country. How shameful it would be. But may the Lord help us to say, Lord, I don't want to bring any shame to you. I'm an ambassador. I'm living here in this world to be a representative for you, whether I'm at school. You kids that go to school, you're an ambassador there. Whether it's at work, you're an ambassador there. Whether you're a homemaker in the neighborhood, you're an ambassador there. And every role is important. God has placed His people, notice, in all the strata of society. From the least to the greatest. Even up till the White House. We have a Christian in the White House, thank God. It's a testimony. We're told in Scripture that we're the light of the world. We're told that we're the salt of the earth. And we have a great responsibility to be a testimony for our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, these classes we've had in Scripture memory class have been tremendous on separation. It's really the hallmark of the Christian life. If we want to live as citizens of heaven here on earth, we have to be separated from the world. You can't say, well, I can hang with the unsaved. It's okay. I can go where they go. I can have my close friends and, and be okay. No. What happens is the bad rubs off on the good more than the good will rub off on the bad. The Scripture puts it another way. In the New American Standard Bible, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. 
And if we, do, if we think it's okay to flirt with the world, to dance with the world, to have any association, close association with the world, we're going to be sadly mistaken. It's going to be a very bad thing. You know, I read a story a number of years ago. I've told you the story before about the story of the duck. This duck used to come down to the barnyard and he used to feed sometimes on the grains of, of corn and different things that were there. He'd eat a few and then he'd fly away. Well, day after day, this duck kept coming back and coming back and he'd eat a little more and a little more and then he'd fly away. Well, pretty soon after years of doing this, right, he got so big, so heavy and so fat from eating off of the things of the ground, off the things of the earth, shall we say the things of the world, that he couldn't fly anymore. And I thought, Lord, don't let me do that. Don't let me feed on the, on the things of this world, the, the garbage, shall we say, of this world, the things of earth, because it will only hurt us spiritually. It'll affect our relationship to the Lord. It'll ruin our testimony. And then as I was preparing the message, I went to get one of my books from my library and I thought, well, I'm going to look outside and see if they repaired my fence yet. They're going to put new fence in for all the homes. And I looked out there and I saw two birds sitting on the fence. And I didn't, of course, this is unplanned. And one bird is looking this way and the other bird is looking the other way and they're just sitting there on the fence. And I... And then I looked at them and they're gray color and they're big fat birds and they're sitting on the fence. And I said, Lord, that goes along with the message too. They're trying to sit on the fence between the world and between Christ and they're miserable on the fence because you cannot be happy trying to do that. Trying to please the world, trying to please the Lord, trying to live right in between. It does not work. We know that. We have to separate ourselves from the world and say, Lord, I don't belong to this world. I want to live for you as a citizen of heaven. I want to be a blessing to people. Hebrews 11:16 says about all the men and women of faith, it says, but now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Yes, that new Jerusalem coming out of heaven is prepared for you and it's prepared for me. And it's wonderful to know that we are living for the Lord right now here on earth. I've been reading this book. I don't know how many of you have read it or have a copy of it, but it's called The Purpose Driven Life by, Doc, by Pastor Rick Warren. You've heard of that one, right? Great book. And one of the things he says in this book that really relates to what I'm saying today is he says life is a temporary assignment. You know, if you're in business and in a company and they say, we're going to send you to a temporary assignment to Phoenix or we're going to send you to Miami or if you're as fortunate as Mike Souza, he gets to go to Hawaii on a temporary assignment. That's not a bad place to go, but still, it's temporary assignment and then you come home. Well, this earth, we might live here as maybe 70 years, maybe 80 years, maybe even 100 years or more, but it's still very, very short and it's a temporary Assignment, And I like what this brother says. He says, the fact that earth is not our ultimate home explains why, as followers of Jesus, we experience difficulty, sorrow, rejection in this world. And it also explains why some of God's promises seem unfulfilled, some prayers seem unanswered, and some circumstances seem unfair. But this is not the end of the story. In order to keep us from becoming too attached to this earth, God allows us to feel a significant amount of discontent and dissatisfaction in life. Longings that will never be fulfilled this side of eternity. We're not completely happy here because we're not supposed to be. Earth is not our final home. We were created for something better. Hallelujah. Can't we say it? We were created 
for something better. Yes, if you have that desire today to be a citizen of heaven, to live as a citizen of heaven, it's a great desire to have and to say, Lord, every morning when I get out of my house and I leave that house to go to work or wherever I go, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am a heavenly person that has to represent you, Lord, to the people I come into contact with. May the Lord help us to represent him well so that people won't find anything that they can blaspheme the Lord or cause shame to his name. And then finally, the third point this morning to look at is loathing the things of this world. Now, the word loathe, you don't hear it used that often, but it came to my mind. It's a, it's a very strong word. It means to feel intense dislike, disgust or hatred for And I thought, isn't that the attitude that we as heavenly citizens should have toward the evil things of this world? A disgust for it. It should repulse us. It should make us so affected that we can't even uh, contain it. And just recently, we've been hearing all these things about these same-sex marriages. I mean, I've had it with it now because I'll tell you what happened. I've been watching it. It started with New Hampshire and now it's come to California and they're having all these things in San Francisco. And it's on every station. The other day I was, I was having my snack at night and I was watching TV and I, was, I started with, I think it was KRON Channel 4. And I was watching that news and then all of a sudden it came on. I said, I'm not going to watch it. This is evil. This is wicked. I don't even want to hear about it. I'm going to switch the channel. So I ch- switched to the next one. I think Channel 5 was next. And you know what? They were covering the same story at the same time. I couldn't believe it. I said, Lord, this is amazing to me. So then I said, well, certainly it can't happen the third time at Channel 7. So I switched it to the third channel, which I think was Channel 7 at the time. And there it was. They were covering the same story again. And I'm saying, Lord, this evil, this wickedness, this sin is prevalent around us. It's all around us. And we can't get away from it. We can't escape it. We're in the world. But guess what? We're not of the world. And that's where that's why we feel uncomfortable around this world and all these things we're hearing, because we are not of this world. The Apostle Paul put it well in Romans 12:9. He says, abhor that which is evil, cling to what is good. And that word abhor is also another strong word. It means to have a holy hatred for it, for the evil and sin of this world. You know, you read stories today or you see them on the Internet or on TV or the radio. You see people kidnap these young girls and kill them and everything. You see young men murdered. You see all these terrible things happening in the world today. And you say, Lord, we're not home. This is not home. And if anybody tries to tell you the world's getting better, don't listen to them because it's not. Sure, we're getting better in technology. We're getting better in medicine. We're getting better in science. All these things that make our life easier, they say, but it's not making our life better because spiritually, morally, and ethically, we've gone way backwards, way backwards. We're not even close. But may the Lord help us to say, Lord, I hate the evil and sin of this world. Now, the difference is we love the sinner, we hate the sin. We should never go around judging people and condemning them and say, I hate you, you're this or that. We hate their sin. We pray for them. We want the gays to be saved. We want people that don't know the Lord to be saved, whoever they are, in whatever country they're in. We want them to come to know Christ. We don't hate them. We just hate the evil and sin that's in this world. That's what we hate. And who's the author and source of that is the devil. He's the one that tempted Eve. And that's when sin came into this world. But I've got a question for you today. Do you feel homesick for heaven? 
Or have the things of the world become too attractive to you? Have the things of the world become so attractive to you? Shall we say the toys of this world? You know, we all have toys. These, these PDAs, we have the cell phones, we have all these things. We all have all, some kind of toys. But some people have more kind of toys. They say, well, I've got to have a boat. I've got to have a yacht. Or I've got to have uh, a really fancy sports car or whatever it is. And you know what happens? The more possessions that you accumulate, the more they possess you. The more they take away your time and the way they take away your attention from the Lord, from the meetings of the Lord. And then pretty soon, well, I can't be there because I've got to take care of this and I've got to take care of that and I've got to take care of the other thing. But I'd like to ask you a question. If you hold up these things today in the light of eternity, what's going to happen to them in a hundred thousand years from now? Are those things going to mean anything to us? No. I often think that as much as I love my home, as much as I love my car, the possessions that I have, the clothes I have, all these things, if the Lord took me today, I'd say, goodbye. Goodbye home, goodbye clothes, goodbye all of those things. Somebody else can drive my, my Camry. Somebody else can live in my town home. Somebody else can have anything they want because I got something much better. I've got the Lord in heaven. I've got eternal life forever and ever and I'm going to be there is where I'd rather be than here. But until then, may the Lord help us to have that, that feeling that we're not home yet. We're homesick for heaven. You know, the world puts out all kinds of attractions, all kinds of amusements, all kinds of allurements. There's temptations everywhere. But really, when you think about it, they're nothing. Nothing compared to what we have in Christ. Nothing whatsoever. Someone once said, it is impossible to have a real hope of heaven and be deeply engrossed in the pleasures of earth. I'll read that again. It is impossible to have a real hope of heaven and be deeply engrossed in the pleasures of earth. I hope that none of you are that way today. I hope none of us are deeply engrossed in the things of earth because it gets a hold of you. It gets a stranglehold on you. Like when, when you go underwater, let's say you're at the ocean and there's all these seaweed, they wrap it, it wraps itself around you or, or one of those jellyfish that gets hold of you and wraps its arm around it. That's the way the world is. It's so subtle at first, so subtle. But then it brings you into itself and gets its clutches on you. May the Lord help us to stay close to Him as citizens of heaven, living for Him, loathing the things of this world and longing for heaven. I oftentimes think of that little chorus that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I think we've found that in our lives, haven't we? The more we, we focus on the Lord and, and spend time with Him and in His Word, the less attraction this world has to us. The less these things really are valuable to us. Because like it says in Scripture where the Paul says, while we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. They're temporal. But we look at the things which are unseen. For the unseen things are eternal. And that's what is going to be really great about heaven. So to conclude today, we have to ask ourselves, am I really homesick for heaven? Or Lord, have I let the things of the world influence me? Have it, has it affected me? Has it taken my attention and my eyes off the Savior? If it has, let's confess it to the Lord today and say, Lord, I want to I be more with you. I want to be in your presence every day. I want to start my day in prayer and in your word. And I want to have fellowship with Christians all the time. Don't let those things of the world attract me. 
Give me a desire for you and you alone, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer today, that we can leave behind in this world a fragrance for Christ, a fragrance of beauty and love and eternal life. And so may the Lord encourage us today. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ and you would like to know how to know that you're going to heaven, you can know that today. It's like someone asked this question. Do you know for sure if you were to die today that you would go to heaven? And you know, each one one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. Vince can't answer it for Cindy. Cindy as a mother can't answer it for Sean. Brad, you can't answer it for Morgan. Mike, you can't answer it for Jessica. Every person has to make their own decision. Like they said, there'll be no grandchildren in heaven. You have to make your own choice to be a child of God and go to heaven. And if you receive Christ today, you can get your ticket. And your ticket will be stamped. There's no expiration date. Whenever the Lord comes, whenever death may come knocking, you'll be ready. And I know I wouldn't be comfortable if you aren't ready. And you might not be ready today. You can be ready today. You can ask Christ into your life and you can know right today with confidence, not because you think it, not because you feel it, not because some lightning bolt comes down and the tingling starts. No, you can know it from assurance from God's word that as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. May we turn our, Lord, our hearts to, toward heaven today and pray to him and ask him to, to bless us immensely. Our Father, we thank you for the subject we've been studying about today. And Lord, heaven is just so tremendous. We can't wait to get there. Lord, give us a longing for heaven. Help us to want to be there. And because we have this longing for heaven, help us to live as heavenly people while here on earth. And Lord, help us to hate the things of this world, the sin, the wickedness, the violence, the corruption all around us. And Lord, help us not to desire those sinful pleasures of earth that would only take us away from your presence. Lord, help us to love you more than any of these things. Just like you said to Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. We just thank you for this day. May you dismiss us with your blessing. Help us to go forward, Lord, and live as heavenly citizens, longing for your presence. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.